Welcome to the Phoenix Preacher Podcast. This is episode two of the podcast. It's about take 40 on this particular podcast. Unfortunately, Chester the Cat has wanted to interject his opinions uh, into the discussion today. And uh, like most of social media, Chester is very loud, but he's not very wise. So be aware that he's here and we might hear from him later. What I want to talk about on page one today is the royal wedding. And more specifically, I want to talk about the message that was given by Bishop Michael Curry of the Episcopal Church uh, during the wedding, because there are a lot of people that are upset about that message, and they're upset with me because I liked the message. And their complaint is that Curry did not give a comprehensive gospel message. And the reason that they believe that is because Curry did not mention the uh, sinful state of man. He did not mention the fallen nature of man. He did not mention the fact that we are sinners in need of a Savior. He only spoke of the love of God. And because he spoke of the love of God without talking about the wrath of God, it was an incomplete gospel message. And I'm going to tell you, okay, I agree with that. It was not a full orb presentation of the gospel. Where I disagree with my friends is that I don't think we have to do that every time we have an opportunity to speak. And I don't think that we have to continually emphasize the depravity of man over the love of God. The love of God is a really important message. And I believe that as we read the scriptures, that they tell us that the reason that Christ came and died for sinners is because God loved sinners. As a matter of fact, it says that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And the reason he did that, you can look it up in Ephesians 2, is because of his great love for us. Now, the, there's always this um, backdrop amongst traditional and conservative believers that if we don't hammer down the law and the gospel, if we don't emphasize the fact that we're sinners, that somebody somewhere is going to get away with something. That somebody somewhere is going to believe that they're going to get into heaven because God loves them. And that they'll not feel a need to repent and believe on Christ. That's not my job. Whenever you preach the word, and I believe that Bishop Curry did, it's the Holy Spirit's job to convict people of their sins and their need for a Savior. And there's different ways that the Holy Spirit does that convicting. Sometimes it's by the law. Sometimes it's by telling people they suck, they're in trouble, they're bad, they need a Savior. Sometimes it's by telling people who already know that they're bad, that they're loved. Because let me tell you something. There's a lot of us that are uh, converted, uh, born again, regenerated, whatever term you want to use. But we have placed our faith in Christ and Christ alone for our salvation. There are those of us in that group who have a real hard time getting our arms around the fact that God loves us. 
We may believe it intellectually, but spiritually and emotionally, it's the most difficult part of the faith to embrace. Maybe it's because we uh, had issues with our parents as we grew up. Maybe it's because we were uh, treated badly by other authority figures. Maybe we had a really bad experience in the church. Maybe it was all of the above or none of the above. But for whatever reason, the love of God seems to be always just outside our reach of understanding. And I'm one of those people. So I needed to hear what Bishop Curry had to say. I needed to hear it today. I need to hear it every day. I need to know that behind all of the theology, all of the uh, soteriology, looms the one central truth of Christianity is that God loved sinners. God is for sinners. God loves you and God loves me. Is that the whole message? No, it's not the whole message. But it is one really good message all by itself. And perhaps it's a message that plants the seeds of regeneration every bit as well as the condemnation of sinners does. Maybe. In any case, it's something that I needed to hear. And instead of doubling down, trying to crush what people heard, because some, somebody might have heard that message and that seed blossomed and they want to respond to Christ and then you turn around and tell them, well, that, that really isn't what it's like. It's not that easy. You have to earn the love of God. You got to do this. You got to do this. You got you might crush that seed right out of somebody because they've heard enough condemnation in their lives. They've heard it from a lot of people and they've been crushed enough by life that what they needed to hear was that God loved them. And maybe we should get to a point where that's our primary message. I liked what the man had to say. God loves you. And that love is something that changes you. It changes relationships both vertically and horizontally. So that as in the early church, when God is working through you, what you are known for is your love. I would love for that to be the reality of how people think about the church and Christians today. I may not agree with everything they believe, but boy, do those people love each other, and boy, do they show their love for other people by what they do and what they say and how they do it and how they say it. That might be the most revolutionary thing that any of us can do. So I'm not going to criticize Bishop Curry and my friends who didn't like the message. I'm not criticizing you. But what I am saying is do not minimize how important this message could be to somebody, maybe even somebody that you're trying to reach. Because it was important enough to me that I needed to hear it again today. And it's important enough to me 
that I'm going to repeat it when our church gets together next Sunday. Because I'm sure that I have convinced them of their sin, but I'm not always sure I've convinced them about how much God loves them. We're on to page two. On page two, I want to talk a little bit about a Twitter thread that I've been watching for the last couple days. And the Twitter thread is called hashtag exvangelical. And what these, what these uh, threads are about are people that have left uh, evangelicalism and some of whom have actually completely left the Christian faith. And if you read through the threads, it's, it's heartbreaking if you're a believer because you read all of these people who were crushed in the house of God, who one way or another, the things that happened to them in the place of the, supposedly where God dwells were so hurtful that they uh, left the church and, and some people have actually left the faith completely. And, and it's to those people that, uh, that have gotten through uh, the process of leaving evangelicalism but have held on to their faith that I, I'd really like to say, speak a couple things to. I myself am an ex-evangelical. Um, I left the evangelical church, the evangelical traditions, and I went to the Anglican Communion. And it was a process that went on for a very long time because I saw and I experienced all of the abuses uh, that a male can experience in the evangelical church. And on top of that, I became someone who chronicled the abuses of the evangelical church on, on a website. And I've been doing that for 16 years. There's not much that's gone on that I haven't either experienced myself or know somebody that's experienced. And it's brutal. And I blame nobody uh, for leaving the church. I, I, I understand why you did it. I get it. Um, as I said, I was in process for a lot of years, saw all of this stuff. The last straw for me was um, uh, the current political climate that uh, seems to be supported by evangelicals was just a bridge too far and made it really imperative for me, spiritually, that I got out now. So again, let, let me emphasize, I get it, I understand why you left. But what I want to tell you is, whether you like it or not, and probably right now you don't, and there's times when I don't like it myself, Christianity is a communal faith. Christianity is based on believers in Christ who gather together as a body with Christ as the head, but you gather together as a body that uplifts and supports each other. And according to 1 Corinthians, every member of that body is necessary for the whole body to function properly. We need you. I need you. The people that are in your 
local churches, one of those bodies is missing you. The things you've experienced and survived are going to bring a depth of compassion, a depth of empathy, and a depth of wisdom that other people desperately need to hear. And you need to hear some things yourself. You need to be uplifted. You need to be built up. You need to be, uh, as we say, edified. Because one of the things that I, I notice is that people who come through uh, evangelicalism and they leave, they, they come out the other side, they drop a lot of stuff behind. They drop a lot of the baggage off. They retain their faith, but one of the things that they lose is their joy. Because part of the joy of being a Christian isn't just being in Christ. It's being in a body of like-minded, spiritually bonded believers. And I really desire to see people that have come through the ringer and survived it to not only still be in the faith, but be in the faith with joy. And, and I think that it's imperative that you be part of a local body to experience that. And I, I understand, I also get it, that it's hard to find those places that are safe. And I, I understand that you're going to need some time before you feel strong enough to even attempt to get into another local body of believers. Some places it's going to be impossible to find a church that isn't toxic in some way, shape, or form. I, I can tell you right now that there are big cities that I won't call by name where it's going to be really difficult to find a church to go to. But you need to make the attempt. And you need to make the attempt not because it's a rule. I'm not, I'm not here trying to give you a new rule to go by, but because we need you. And not only do we need you, but you need us. So let me encourage all you ex-evangelicals, tell your stories. Tell them loudly. Listen to other people's stories. But if you've come out on the other side of those stories with your faith intact, when you've healed enough to do so, please understand that we need you in the local body. You matter. You, you may have not mattered to the people that did you wrong, but you matter to us and you matter to God. And you are bringing something to the table that only you can bring. And without you, we're not complete. Without you, we're not whole. You are a vital part of the body. So let me encourage you that as soon as you possibly can, when you're feeling well enough, when you're feeling safe enough, give it another shot. Because there's some place that is going to appreciate and love you and needs your input and needs everything that you bring to the table so that they can be a complete body too. We're on to page three. So some loose ends to clear up here on page three. 
the first thing I want to note is that I just got a word that Warren Throckmorton's blog has been taken down from Pathios. Uh, Pathios is the big website that has bunches of different writers on it. It's where Warren's been for the last few years. Uh, if you don't know who Warren is, he led the charge uh, online, was one of the people online that led the charge against uh, Mark Driscoll and did absolutely brilliant work in helping expose gospel for Asia. So the fact that his articles are not up on that blog site anymore is really a big deal. Um, and I'm, I'm guessing it's, you know, Driscoll and uh, Gospel for Asia, K.P. Yohannan are having a party this afternoon. Uh, but all is not lost. Warren has set up a shop on his own site, which is http www.wthrockmorton.com. Uh, again, it's wthrockmorton.com is where Warren's at now. And all of his uh, articles appear to have been migrated from the Patheo site to uh, his own uh, website now. And it's just, as, as he wrote, the blog host that reported on Mars Hill Church and Gospel for Asia will not have those posts available, but will feature blogs by Mark Driscoll and K.P. Yohannan. What a turn of events. What a crock of, yeah. Fine Warren's News Place book market. He's a very important uh, and courageous voice in the church today. Uh, I love what Warren does. Uh, the second thing is, is that this is the second episode of the podcast, but boy, have we expanded our reach. We're on iTunes, Overcast. We're going to be on the 405 Media. We are on Gospel Play. Um, for those of you on Android, we're going to be everywhere. iTunes, we're on iTunes now. So whatever uh, way that you listen to podcasts, uh, and of, of course, I'll, obviously, I'll be on my own website, phoenixreacher.com. Uh, you can find us there, leave a comment, leave a rating, try to be nice. Uh, that's the second thing. And last of all, as always, uh, we're dependent on your support. If you go to the uh, front page of phoenixpreacher.com, on the left side of the blog is a big Amazon ad. If you click through that and buy your Amazon stuffs, we get a little... Uh, kickback from that that helps a great deal you can also donate directly to us uh, through the paypal link on the top there other than that i think i've covered everything i've got to cover this week thank you again for listening and we'll see you shortly and chester just woke up so it's time for us to get out of here bye